Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back guys. Today is a very special episode that is focused solely on and highlighting the importance of the postpartum period or fourth trimester. Previous PBA guest and postpartum doula Loz from Mother Bloom dives deep into why our postpartum period matters and how we can best nurture and support ourselves to replete, recover and restore our bodies after pregnancy and birth. Loz breaks down the general timeline of a postpartum period, what to expect in those early days, why grieving your maiden self is okay, and what are some normal newborn behaviors you can anticipate, plus so much more. Whether you're a mother, pregnant, or planning to conceive, this episode is a must listen. Welcome back to the show and thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you for having me back. For the listeners that don't know, do you want to just tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes, I would love to. So I live on the Gold Coast. Um, My partner and I have been together for nearly 10 years, I think it is. Um, We have two gorgeous girls. So um, I have Zephyr and I have Indy. Um, Indy is now five and a half and Zephyr is now nine months um and i am a postpartum doula mm-hmm. and i also um am finishing off my postpartum nutrition course amazing um as well so um i as soon as i um we went down into lockdown last year and i was pregnant with zephyr um i had seen a lot of healing um i experienced a miscarriage before zeph and obviously you can listen back on that um mm-hmm. in my episode that i've done with you before um and i just saw the need to support women and so during lockdown i did a little bit of um, womb healing massage and postpartum massage to add to this um gift that I had seen in my head um and then the last part of that was closing of the bones and um 
I couldn't do it because we were in lockdown. So now that we were out of lockdown, I got to um, experience it with a lady who had learned this through um, Mexican women, so traditional down and um and it's amazing so closing of the bones is basically uh, and a lot of people do it in different ways and i've created um something really special that i think really supports women um but it's with rebozos and what we're doing is we're bringing the woman back into her body so we're helping to bring um all the energy back into her body and ground her because we go to the stars to collect our babies Mm. and a lot of women can feel after birth that that feeling of not really being here like everything's sort of happening around you but you're not really with it Mm -hmm. um so closing the bones helps to bring you back into your body bring the warmth back into your body um and connect everything back into um into alignment Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's beautiful i love it and i i want to offer that not not only to postpartum women in that first 40 days but Mm -hmm. to women um you know in the first year or two years it's a really beautiful practice to do as like a gift um for your baby's first birthday as well um but also for those who have experienced loss as well because i think that's really important to move forward in your journey yeah absolutely now today's episode is going to be completely focused around the postpartum period and you're going to give us some great insight into how we can navigate and nurture ourselves during that time yes so my first question for you today is why does the postpartum period matter yeah um it matters because how a mother is cared for and supported during this time really affects affects her healing um it affects her mothering it it um is about being repleted and recovered um it helps with her bonding and her chances of breastfeeding but it also is can really affect her emotional and mental health. So we don't just affect her now or, or see these effects now. It's uh, it's the effects of her through her mothering, but also postpartum, uh, sorry, menopause as well. Okay. But I think it's really important that we're more realistic about our postpartum. And I actually did a post um, a few days or a week ago and I broke down what we can actually expect Um as a postpartum woman, and, and maybe we can sort of explain a bit more on that. So I talked about like from zero to two weeks, it's really about people settling back into their body and grounding and co-regulating because like we need to honour this like tremendous <laughs> change that a maiden goes to mm. as a mother and what she goes through. So, you know, it's not just about our belly and the size of our uterus, it's our pelvis, it changes shape. Um, once a baby is born, all of that happens then in reverse. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to realise that obviously this takes nine slow months pregnancy-wise, but then it takes around six weeks, and obviously that's definitely longer. I believe it's longer, but it takes six weeks in, um, you know, in most terms to then go back to your pre-pregnancy self. And I think, like, that's crazy. Like, to think that, you know, my partner did his ACL a few years ago and there's just this like massive recovery process to it like huge but there's nothing in place to support mothers to come back into that place Mm. and to be honest that six-week check by our doctor is pretty bullshit (laughs) (laughs) it's it's crap and it needs to change like in terms of hormones that hormonal drop after pregnancy is the largest hormonal change 
like anyone will ever experience in their lifetime. And it's the single largest hormonal um, change in the shortest amount of time. Mm. Um, and, you know, and we're going through all this why we are the primary carer of a newborn that we've never met before and we've pretty much never done that job before. Mm. And they're totally dependent on you. Um, so, you know, in those first two weeks, a mother really needs to reg- be regulated. So coming out of that fight or flight, especially depending on how she was, how she birthed um, and co-regulate with her baby. And we need to be supported so we can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, we have like one unit that was two in one during pregnancy, becoming two different identities. Yeah. Yet they're still so connected and a mother needs mothering and she needs nurturing so she can then nurture her baby um and if you know we don't need to support the baby because that's her role and i think that shift needs to happen because a mother can look after her baby as long as she has been looked after yeah and then from zero to two months then we really see relationships and like relationships changing obviously with our partner children other children and friends Mm -hmm. we've got recovery and the rest period and this is really important because a mother needs rest she needs warmth she needs support nourishment um and she really needs to be heard as well to start that healing process Mm -hmm. and there's a whole like you know Um, whole traditional cultures around the world have put in place certain pillars for women to be supported after birth. And a lot of it comes down to that rest. So we um, really, I I guess we underestimate the need for rest and recovery in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, traditionally newborn women would rest and not leave their homes for 40 days. Um, And for a modern mother, that may feel completely impossible um, especially with our, I guess, external pressures to bounce back. Yeah. Um, but even if we've had a straightforward, so to speak, birth in inverted commas, um, that sheer energetic expen- expenditure um, of recovering from pregnancy and birth and caring for a newborn, sleep deprivation and breastfeeding, like that's massive. Yeah. So we, the focus needs to be on healing and bonding with our baby. Um, and I guess sometimes that means shifting priorities um, so we can just be or maybe even putting in boundaries in our home. Um, but resting is really important and that's vertical rest or napping, um, not going to the shops and walking around, <laughs> maybe walking around the block if you want to have a little bit of movement and stuff like that, but, and then bringing warmth, especially coming into winter um, where such, we're in such a vulnerable state and some stay, I guess, more than the baby, mm. especially to cold. So really optimizing healing and boosting that circulation is really important because we lose a lot of warmth within our body um, and traditional cultures see this. They sort of like, you know, encourage isolating and, and heating. Um, and this is from eating really soft, um, warm, nourishing foods to bring that fire and that digestion back into your body, but also sipping on warm tea, um, staying warm inside. Socks are very encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, with, with us, a lot of cultures don't even wash their hair because of that that wet and that damp um so that's something you know we all know we wash our hair and then the baby cries and we can't you know dry our hair so you know in winter being very mindful of that but also having really beautiful hot 
for warm healing baths and massages. You could even take your baby into the bath with you. Amazing, yes. It's, yeah. That's one of the best things that you can do because it really facilitates um, breastfeeding and it's also that skin on skin and you're feeling calm. It's womb-like, you know, um, recreating the womb for the baby as well. So mm. a, a bath with your baby is the best thing you can do, absolutely, especially if your baby – um, if you're finding it hard to start to breastfeed, that's a really good one to do as well. Yeah. yeah. And then you have from like two um, two to 12 months where we, we're really um, – well, actually, we've got nourishment as well. In that first couple of months, that's really important. Obviously, we speak a lot about that not going anywhere near salads and acai bowls and everything cold, which is definitely what I did in my first postpartum because, you know, we see healthy as raw food, yeah. salads and, and all of that. You can have smoothies. Smoothies are great, but at room temperature. So what happens is we've got this excess of air element within our body due to the loss of fluid and blood and placenta and baby. So what happens is we have this cold, dry nature and we need to, I guess, stoke the fire again and build up that fire and so we need to prepare grounding and nourishing really restorative foods. So like soups and broths and stews and anything really that is nice in winter, which is lovely because we're coming into that. Yeah. Um, and they just need to be really easily digest because it also supports your milk production. Um, and you can add like herbs into that is really important as well because then that creates that warmth in the body. And obviously the healing um, herbs are very healing. And then you know, from two to 12 months, it, it, I think it was like um, rediscover, so rediscovering ourself, rebuilding and restoring period. So if we've had the opportunity to rest and recover in that first period with warm and the correct foods, then we have then the opportunity to restore and rebuild to get our blood, bloods taken, um, and then you can work maybe with a postpartum nutritionist or naturopath um, and really then rebuild and restore so then when you go into your next pregnancy you're not depleted yeah because that's a massive one that we're seeing obviously um in our um culture at the moment is not being restored and then having our next baby and then not being restored enough and then depleted and, and, the, and the cycle just goes on. Yeah. And I guess as well, something that I've learned along my own journey is that we can mistake certain symptoms as, you know, like postpartum depression or whatever it is. Mm. And that can actually be linked to depletion. Absolutely. Basically everything as a new mother that you would feel in the first year is also um, the same things that you could feel as if you were depleted. Um, a lot of them to, to do with your thyroid is very similar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why it's really important that we listen to mothers because mothers will know if it's just I feel depleted because I haven't had a few nights good rest or a few months good rest or I actually don't think I should be feeling this way. And I think that's really important is that we listen to mothers. Mm -hmm. Obviously, bloods are great because bloods don't lie. Bloods will tell us and, um, you know, that's why it's important maybe to see a nutritionist or a naturopath because they do have different um, – they see different levels than what our doctors do mm -hmm. and they obviously specialise in postpartum. So that's why that's important. But – yeah, mothers know. I think mothers really, if you tune in and under, and listen to your body, you would know if you feel 
less than you should. Definitely. But I guess on the other hand as well, there's the issue that it's almost become normalized to Mm. feel like shit. I know. And some women may not even realize that, you know, the way that they're feeling can actually be improved because in today's society, it's absolutely normal to be struggling emotionally. And I love what Dr. Oscar says about it. It's common, but it's not normal. Yeah. So it's very common to feel certain things through your postpartum. And and yes, too, I think it's, you know, around that three-month mark is – you know, or six month mark is when, yeah, we do feel depleted and we might we might feel really um, sleep deprived and all that. But once we start to come back into that year and that past year, then everything else should be starting to normalize because we should have rebuilt and restored our nutrients. Mm-hmm. And if we're not, then that's obviously what's the um, building block for that. But yeah, it's common, but it's not normal. Yeah. In that um, that period up into twelve to twelve months, we really also and beyond as well. Like we are really rediscovering ourselves as well and what it means to become a mother. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's also something that is really um, blindsided by by society is that we are our maiden plus a mother, but we aren't actually our maiden and we we don't go back and that's okay. Like we don't want to go back. And it's huge because this is what we call matrescence and it's a transformation that we go through when our whole identity shifts when we become a mother. Mm. Um, and we birth this beautiful like, new you. And um, But it's very overwhelming. It's very emotional. And you do lose yourself to find yourself. Um, and that can take years. So that can be, you know, from when your baby's born, some people go through it quite quickly. They love it and it feels good. Some people find it really messy, really clunky, and they have no idea who they are anymore. And then some people take two years. And after, you know, we've been replenished and we've maybe, re, you know, prioritized our sleep a little bit better, um, then, you know, this emotional system becomes upgraded um, and we find ourselves again like we go from being me to we overnight where mums you know say I can't even watch the news anymore because it it hurts too much or it's too much for me and it's because we've gone from just thinking about ourselves to thinking about we as in you and your baby but also the whole world because we become this mother and we're mothering everybody yeah we find this whole new I guess center um but we do come back to ourself. And, and I, what I always say is it's a version of ourself um, that we can, we're lucky in a way because men don't always get this, so to speak. But we can look at what we were as a maiden and pick out the parts that we loved and bring them into our mothering. Mm. And we can leave the rest behind and then, you know, take on other things. Mm. And and then you've got two years plus, like, you know, postpartum's forever and I think that's really important and that's okay that postpartum is forever um, because we are forever cycling and changing. That's definitely something Mm. else that I've learned is that we're so programmed to think that postpartum is only the first six weeks after you've had a baby and Mm. so anything after that can't be related. It's like this magic wand. Like we go to the doctors at six weeks, we apparently can, yeah, we're magic. Like it's just like this (laughs) click of a button. Some women even say, you know, I don't feel like going out into the world or I don't feel like exercising yet. I'm still bleeding at six weeks. I thought I would stop, you know, Mm. and Everyone is very different. So I think instead of the first six weeks, which is that first 40 days, which I think is really important because 
you know, as a culture, we need to do something. But I think instead we should start looking at the fourth trimester, Mm -hmm. which is a continuum of the first three trimesters. And it's the first three months of um, after birth. And I think that is a more realistic goal to look at for women as well, if not a year. (laughs) But for the first three months, I think that's more realistic for most women because, yeah, a lot of women don't feel like they've gone to a certain point where they're okay at six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you said as well, you're not only dealing with, you know, the hormonal and depletion side of things for a lot of first time moms, they're also dealing with, you know, well, obviously the baby is a pretty big deal, but a lot of us with our first babies, especially go through like a morning stage of our Mm. own life and letting go of the person that we once were before the baby. Yeah. And you're allowed to do as well. Yeah. Like I was talking to someone yesterday about, you know, society has made us believe that we can only be one thing. So we can either be happy and we're happy being a mother and and everything's fine. Or if we're unhappy or we're depleted or we're, uh, you know, we hate waking up at nighttime or whatever, you must, that must mean you hate being a mother. Mm. (laughs) You're allowed to hate waking up at night and allowed to love the hell out of your baby at the same time. Like it can be complete opposites. And that's the same if, if a woman mourns her maiden self then obviously she hates being a mother. That's what society's made us feel. And then that puts so much pressure on us because that's when guilt comes into it. Mm. And also I think that um, especially first-time mums, we go from working or or whatever we do in our our life as a maiden and we don't give ourselves space in between birth and, you know, being that maiden because most of us work up. Wait, like work till 38 weeks we don't stop we birth and then we have a baby yeah. and there's no space in between where you can just be and 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 allow yourself to say goodbye to that past self and bring in the new self as well because mm-hmm. once you've had a baby it's go time like there's no space to mourn that you know until maybe a few months later and then you think wow like everything creeps up yeah So in the early days of postpartum, what are some of the things that women can expect? Um, In the early days, so there's um, many things that we don't, I guess, talk about. And there's a few things that really take mothers for the, like, you know, by surprise. Mm -hmm. One of them is after pains. So um, I never experienced after pains, but I know that a lot of women do and they can um, become more apparent after each baby, after subsequent babies. Mm -hmm. So it's really a process of the uterus um, contracting after the baby and placenta is born. So this can take up to six weeks for the uterus to shrink back to that pre-pregnancy size. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a process most women, um, you know, they all look like they're still pregnant. Mm -hmm. And after the um, after pains is something that um, generally becomes, as I said, more apparent with those um, with subsequent births, mm-hmm. and it's immediate after birth, and it can last up to seven to fourteen days, depending on woman uh, a woman. But what this does is it helps to control the blood loss, so it's cramping and it helps to control the blood loss. Um, and for some of us, it's quite strong. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where when we're feeding, it's brought on it's brought on by breastfeeding. So when we're feeding, um, obviously you can feel like you're having a contraction at the same time. Yeah. Um, but it's really nature's way of encouraging that body to recover. Um, it's oxytocin that's been released during breastfeeding. So don't 
you know, don't stop breastfeeding because you don't want the after pains. Yeah. Um, but it's it's what encourages the uterus to continue shrinking. So what I find is raspberry leaf tea or um, or tinctures is really um, beautiful for the pain after birth and to reduce that um, recovery. Okay. To stay well hydrated is really important mm-hmm. and making sure that we're going to the toilet often. And while you're having... Um, a feed with your baby really focusing on what we call the yogic breath so that's breathing in for three and then breathing out for five Um, also a warm compress can really help as well and where would one get tinctures tinctures you can get them from um, your naturopath or there are a few companies online that um, specialize in pre like pregnancy birth and postpartum as well yeah then you've got um, your Lockyer. So that's um, that takes around six weeks. But um, with my second daughter, I actually bled till um, I think it was eight weeks. Um, so that's about the placenta site healing um, and the bleeding to cease. Um, so we call it Lockyer. Lockyer is referred to as a postpartum bleed. Um, and it can it consists of blood, it consists of tissue um, and the lining of the uterus. Mm-hmm. The blood is natural part of postpartum period and no matter if you've had a vaginal birth or a belly birth, you will still bleed. So we can expect as a new mom that this can be quite heavy for a week. We can pass clots um, and tissue um, that used to protect our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very um, even, but also you can find that it can come out in small gushes, especially when we're breastfeeding again. Um, or if you've been lying down, you might stand up and you might pluck a clot um, clots are normal but if they're larger than a golf ball or if they're a really strange odor that's when I would seek um, to talk to your midwife mm-hmm. um, bleeding's obviously normal but if you're soaking a pad within um, within an hour or less then again see your um, midwife and if the bleeding becomes heavier um, then I would definitely talk to your midwife as well yeah but it's important that we have really beautiful iron-rich foods. My favourite one, which is definitely not everybody's favourite, is grating liver into meals. Yum. <laughs> but you can't taste it. I would never eat liver. I was like, oh. Um, but, yeah, if you grate it into meals, you can't taste it. Oh, nice. But, um, yeah, iron-rich foods. Spirulina is really great for iron as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, or placenta if you're having um, placenta tablets, they're great for your iron as well. Perfect. We also have, like um, – night sweats and we have (laughs) again I had no idea about night sweats until I had my first and edema as well so that's excess fluid from pregnancy that gradually um, eliminates so this is done through urine and sweat so again the night sweats Mm -hmm. Um, and this is um, you know the process and that swelling of the legs and the feet and the hands which is common especially if you've had antibiotics or an IV drip or you've been induced um, and it can take around one to two weeks to um, for that swelling to subside. Mm-hmm. Best thing to do is to rest <laughs> and elevate. Um, so elevating our legs and drinking um, water, which obviously sounds very counterproductive because we've got fluid, but uh, that's really important. But also um, magnesium soaks are, are incredible for uh, edema as well. Mm-hmm. So, And also your nettle. So nettle tea is also really good for your iron, but nettle tea, so infusing nettle tea is great for 
um, edema. And then one in three women have night sweats. So that makes us feel all like a bit better. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Of course, I'm that Extra one in three. Oh, yeah, me too. Um, so IV fluids, um, you know, hormonal change. So this is basically sweating and it can be um, different for everybody. And it usually lasts around two weeks, a little bit more for some people. Um, some people will find that they need to sleep on a towel and or a sheet protector. Mm-hmm. And my go-to or tell, I tell everybody to when you have an extra pair of pyjamas for your baby in case they poo through the night and you need to change, have an extra pair of pyjamas for you too because you might want to change overnight. Yeah. Um, hydrate, again, sounds so counterproductive because it's all about water, but hydrate. Um, cordyceps is really good, um, which is your mushrooms or um, electrolytes, so like maybe um, coconut water is really good as well. Okay. So they're sort of things that you can expect that a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah. Now moving on to newborns, yeah. what are some normal newborn behaviours and how do we support that? Yeah, so I'll go through like anything and everything that babies can do because I think that, you know, we get told to feed our babies every three hours and then that's it. But And then if, if babies cluster feed or if they feed more than, you know, in, a, in an hour, um, I must have low milk supply. Mm, I've heard that one so many times. Absolutely. And that's because we get told babies will feed every three hours and that's not right. Yeah. So to feed, um, so babies, newborn babies will feed for hours, especially in the afternoon, cluster feeding. So my midwife used to say it, it's called the debris from the day. So our babies are debriefing with us, meaning they're coming back into our body or their body, mm-hmm. and they're also taking their order for the next day. So meaning boosting our milk supply, especially getting ready for that night feed. Yep. So breastfeeding to sleep, especially in the first four months, there is no bad habits and no sleep associations made in that period. So it's healthy, it's natural, and it's totally normal to feed your baby to sleep. Mm-hmm. It's normal if your baby prefers to sleep on you, in a carrier, on your chest, It's normal if they prefer to sleep on the move, in a car, in a pram. Um, They can sleep for long periods of time one day and then less periods the next day. Um, Or for the first few weeks, they might sleep. And then when they become more awake, they might be easily more awoken. Mm -hmm. Um, They can sleep at different times of the day and then go to bed at later times at night. They might like to uh, be close to you in the same room or in the bed. And likewise, it's really normal if you want to sleep with them as well. Yeah. Uh, it's And it's normal also if you don't want to sleep with them. That's fine as well. Uh, and it's safe. It's, actually, there's a really beautiful podcast. Um, I always direct people to it. It's by a doctor um, on um, SheBirth's podcast. Mm-hmm. And he talks about sleep safe, sleeping safe and why it's safe to sleep with your baby um and it's amazing it's a really good one because it really just like it you know it's just oh my god bam there you go um it's it's normal for your baby to wake frequently throughout the night for love for comfort for hunger for change in temperature and for a wet nappy um it's normal for them to wake every sleep cycle and need support settling um to sleep less hours then your best friend or someone on Instagram at the same age. <laughs> um, and they don't sleep on a schedule <laughs> um, and they don't feed on a schedule. And I think it's really important that, yes, obviously, if they do are constantly feeding, um, 
it is normal, but it's also maybe that it, their latch isn't um, perfect mm-hmm. and don't talk to someone on Instagram or your best friend. And LC is so, so like underutilized, I, I believe. They're like gold. Yeah. Um, so see an LC, a lactation consultant because they will give you the direction. And, yeah, it may be that your milk supply needs to be boosted, but don't just assume that because when we assume that, then we just – everything goes down from there. Yeah. Um, but also looking at our baby during the first 42 days or the first 40 days – they don't know that they're separate from us. Mm. So many cultures obviously have that window, that 42 days, um, that six weeks of lying in. And it's not just to help the mother recover, but it's also to help the baby adjust to the outside, um, you know, out of the womb. So they are unaware that they are separate from the mother um, and they have this really immature nervous system. Um, So there's many things we can do to support that. So there's massage, so really able to give yourself, you and your baby, that secure attachment. Um, Babies love movement, so just like in the womb, they will constantly move. So, you know, dancing and swaying, going for a walk, hammock, rocker, whatever your baby likes. Mm -hmm. Skin to skin, like you were saying in the bath, so, like, so beautiful. Co-sleeping is just, you know, another way to help support you and your baby. Wearing your baby. Most babies want to be worn. Every human being, they have this expectation to undergo certain natural um, social experiences. Mm. And um, what we call these, this is the beginning of um, what we call the inner in arms phase, the mother baby phase. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's really important. Um, we've got sound. So um, be mindful. Any sound, any music you play when your baby is inside your womb will soothe them outside the womb. So I um, used to teach kids yoga and I didn't realize this as, as much as I thought. I had all these beautiful songs that I was playing while Indy was in my belly. And there was this one song that I would play at the end of every kids' yoga class. Um, It's called Mother Nature. I used to call it Mother – I won't swear. (laughs) (laughs) Because afterwards we just had to play it all the time. (laughs) And um, (laughs) and I didn't realise because I was teaching, you know, two, three classes a day for nine months when Indy was in my womb, this would be – the sound, the song that would soothe Indy. So for three years on repeat, we were playing this song and by the end of it I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was very mindful of what we played in the house when when Zephy was in my womb. That's um, amazing. A warm bath, obviously, what we were talking about, recreating that womb. Responsive feeding. So the best way to boost your milk supply, bring in your milk supply and establish your milk supply is to feed responsive feed. So feed when your baby is hungry. When they ask for it, you feed. Yeah. And um, breathing is really important because what we need to remember is that our babies know what it feels like on the inside of our body. They know us more than we know ourselves. They know what, what it feels like when we are not calm, when we are un, un, unsure. So they feed off that energy. So true. Yeah, so... When we, when we breathe and when we're calm, our babies can be calm. Yeah. 
It's so interesting you say that because I always tell people this story that when I was a first time mum with Bella, there was one night in particular where I could not settle her and it was, you know, 11 o'clock at night and I was feeling really flustered and getting really overwhelmed, you know, and I remember someone had said to me, your baby feeds off your energy, so be mindful of the energy you put out. Mm. And just in that moment, I was able to, you know, zoom out and realize after trying everything oh it's actually me yeah you know here I was almost like ferociously shaking her and and swaying in a million directions and so I gave her to Dale and I took five minutes to breathe and calm my energy and then once I took her back she went straight to sleep and I just Mm. thought wow like this is something that not many people would believe if someone said to you your energy can affect your baby but here I was living that lesson and what a lesson it was and every time every time and I I, like it's really important that obviously if you've got someone at home that can take your baby that's great Absolutely. but if you feel like you're not calm and you because uh, yes your baby's going to feed off you you can put your baby down in their bassinet yeah they're okay they they might cry you're right there with them you can talk to them you can tell them what you're doing and then you can pick them up yeah but i i'm the same i um I used to witness that in in mums um, and bubs yoga every week. Okay. Mums would come in and and babies would start crying and and it's okay for babies to cry. Mums and bubs yoga, they all do it. Yeah. But you know they'd be shaking and rocking and trying to shush them and and all of this stuff. And then I would pick them up and just I would take that I'll take it for I'll take them for you and walk them around the room. Mm-hmm. And because I had no care if they cried or not, I had no attachment to that. As soon as I would hold them, they would stop. And they would be like, oh, you're a wonder woman. You're this, you're that. And I'm like, no, no, it's just because I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if they cry. You And they can feel that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's very Is there anything you can suggest mothers do in those moments of complete overwhelm? Yeah, I definitely would say breathe. breath is your first first option because not only are you going to breathe and calm your nervous system so that yoga yoga breath Mm. that in for four out for five or whatever count you like so more exhalation means that you'll come out of fight or flight much quicker Mm -hmm. you know it's really important to practice your breath while you're feeding your baby because one you'll go back to sleep a lot quicker and two um your baby's going to feel it obviously and they will go back to sleep a lot quicker because they're being massaged on your belly as you're breathing just like they were in the womb so they feel that Mm -hmm. um so obviously listening to our baby and you know it might not be that they need a feed obviously it could be many things um it could be cold it could be they need their nappy changed and, and whatever else it might be but Breathing is definitely the first point of call to calm you. Without calming you, you can't calm your baby. Exactly, yeah. And then you just go through the list of what it could be, possibly be, and then, you know, soothe them with, you know, milk or whatever it might be. And as you said, if you can't soothe them, ask your partner to hold them. You go for a shower, you go to the toilet, splash water, put some oil on your face or do whatever makes you feel calm Mm -hmm. and then come back to them. But... I think the breathing is the most important because we do, we start to rock and we start to shake and we start to do all the things. And then, and then our baby's like, what the hell? I'm on the bloody <laughs> so here. true. What's going on? Another note about 
the importance of breath, which is something I've noticed along my breastfeeding journey, um, is throughout the day when I'm feeding the babies, which is, you know, I'm usually distracted or I'm in a rush. Mm. Um, I'll notice if they're struggling to get a letdown, which for anyone that doesn't know what um, a letdown is, it's when your babies are suckling and that triggers your milk to come down or we, what we call a letdown. Um, in those moments where I can see that they're struggling to get that milk, I'll take some long, deep breaths mm. and really relax into my feed and allow that oxytocin to flow. And mm. without fail, every single time it triggers a letdown. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Because you're coming into your calm state. Yeah. yeah. It affects everything, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's everything. It's everything in life. You know, we, we take the first thing we do when we um, are born, we take a breath. The last thing before we pass away, we take a breath. Yeah. So. To wrap up the episode, what would be your overall advice for new mums besides um, get a postpartum doula? Obviously. Get a postpartum doula, yeah. Get a postpartum doula. Um, it would be to plan your postpartum. Mm-hmm. That would be my um, – because, you know, we talk – a lot of people say, oh, but you can't plan – you know, what's going to happen. And that's totally right. Maybe plan for different outcomes of different, you know, different babies you could possibly have in terms of colic, you know, a baby that cries, a baby that doesn't, whatever. Um, and what would a postpartum plan look like? So I do postpartum planning with people um, over the phone, uh, via Zoom um, or in person. Yeah. Um, it's about sitting down and creating, a, just like we plan for our, our birth, we, we, we create a map. Yeah. So you know, this is the outcome we would like to have and then how are the steps we're going to do to get there, basically. Mm-hmm. So this is the this is how I would like to feel in my postpartum. This is I would like to feel supported. I would like to feel whatever, whatever you want to feel. And then what are the steps you're going to do to get there? So I definitely think supporting you through nourishment is really important, like meal trains or, or you know, outsourcing that in some way. Yeah. Um, someone to support you. So it might be a best friend, it could be a mother, but the thing with a doula or um, somebody who doesn't particularly know you, obviously, personally um, or for years or has that um, attachment to it is that we don't have an attachment. We're there for you and we're there to mother you um, and not your baby. Mm. Um, Whereas family and friends, as much as they might want to help you and support you, they are also there for the baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think body work is really important postpartum. Like I think people see it as this, like, like you know, just, you know, isn't it nice to get a massage? Don't, don't you feel relaxed? But it's actually really important for our body to have that massage, that closing of the bones, um, to be supported um, through ancient practices. Mm. Um and to have a lactation consultant on hand as well mm-hmm. or to have known one. I think that's very important. Yeah. Just quickly on ancient traditions, what are some of those traditions that we could bring into our modern day life? Yeah. So um, bringing, I think it's important that we bring that sacred back into our postpartum. Mm-hmm. But as you said, like we don't, we don't live, you know, it's, I don't think it's beneficial if we live in Australia, to say do it like the Chinese (laughs) because lying in for a month in bed, not moving and not showering like they do can actually not help a mother to thrive because they get massages every single day. Or or as you say, um, 
you know, telling a, a plant-based person to eat um, liver yeah. <laughs> probably isn't going to be very appealing for them. So yeah. um, I think um, not dismissing them because they've been around for so long and they're there for a reason, mm. but, but creating what works for that modern, modern day mother. So we talked about um, rest and that retreat. So um, in China, they do call, talk, call it the confinement period. Mm-hmm. So I think working out how that looks for you as a mother, what kind of rest you can do without thinking that you have to bounce back and go to the gym two mm-hmm. days after you've birthed or, yeah. or go into yoga and whatever, whatever the extreme is. Um, so lying down and slowing down you know, dialing down all of those distractions, including visitors um, and recreating the womb. I say build a sanctuary in your home where you don't want to leave. Mm. And that's what I did, you know, and it's important not just for you but your baby so they learn, you know, the sounds and the smells and your biome, not not the park's biome or, or, yeah. the, or, the, or the shopping centre biome. Um we talked about warmth of food and nourishment. So, again, I think it's really important. Uh, vitamin D, so sun, so important because mothers who breastfeed are more at risk of being vitamin D deficient. Um, and most mothers do not produce enough of this nutrients in their breast milk. Um, so, again, like nutrition is another whole um, podcast that we could go into um, which is just amazing but um, the deficiency in vitamin d is also related to postpartum depression as well so i think vitamin d getting out in the sun every day is so important Um, so those beautiful um, ancient traditions are like sitz baths um, so a postpartum sit bath so it's um, uh, herbs that you can put into a bath and you sit there and relax <laughs> but very important for healing for like cesarean for um uh vaginal sutures and grazes mm-hmm. great for episiotomies and tears um also hemorrhoids and all of that sort of stuff mm-hmm. binding your belly to support your posture um and you can do this in many easy easy ways or very extreme lavish, but you can also just get very easy binds as well mm-hmm. And herbs, I think herbs are really important as well to heal. Um, I have three favourites. I love alfalfa. So it's one of the most uh, nutritious herbs that we can have. Great for milk production, um, great for colic as well, and great for hormones. Nettle is another one which is amazing for um, iron, great for vitamin K um, and blood loss. And also your raspberry, red raspberry leaf tea. So um, we have that leading into um, birth, but it's also amazing for postpartum. For that first six weeks, it helps to heal. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. And not many of us do. And I didn't know that in my first um, pregnancy either. Um, And it wasn't until my naturopath was talking to me in my second. Yeah. So something that we can continue to, to help support tone and heal the uterus. Amazing. Yeah. Some really incredible information in there. Thank you so much, Loz, for coming on today and sharing all your wisdom with us. My pleasure. It's been such a joy. Thank you. Thank you, beautiful. Thank you so much. 
That brings us to the end of the show. I really hope you guys are able to take away and use all the information Loz shared with us today to better prepare and support yourself on your own postpartum journey. Head over to Loz's Instagram account for some really great content focused around all things postpartum. And let me know what you think of today's show over on the PBA Instagram. I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Thank you.